Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to another enlightening episode of the Stainless Podcast. Today, we embark on a journey into the intricacies of a topic that shapes our lives in profound ways, the laws of money. We will be delving a little deeper into the book that handles and tackles this topic quite extensively on the laws of money. And um, this book is The 100 Absolute Unbreakable Laws of Business Success by Brian Tracy. And um, this is a book that um, I believe will touch on every aspect of what money is and how we can obey the laws to our own advantage. Money, an integral aspect of our modern world, holds a multifaceted influence over our choices, aspirations, and overall well-being. In this episode, we'll explore the fundamental principles that govern the dynamics of wealth, prosperity, and financial success. We'll look at the psychology of wealth. We'll try to understand the laws of money. It's crucial to delve into the psychology that underlies our relationship with wealth. Our attitudes, beliefs, and perceptions about money can either propel us towards financial success or serve as a roadblock. Exploring the psychology of wealth helps unravel the mindset necessary for attracting and managing abundance. We'll also be looking at the law of attraction and money. In the law of attraction, a widely discussed concept extends its influence into the realm of finances. This law posits that like attracts like, suggesting that our thoughts and feelings about money can impact our financial reality. We'll explore how aligning our thoughts with abundance can potentially attract wealth into our lives and the practical steps to apply this principle. We'll also be looking at investing and the time value of money. A fundamental law in finance, the time value of money, highlights the principle that money today is worth more than the same amount in the future. Understanding this concept is paramount for effective investing and financial planning. We'll delve into the strategies of making money work for us over time, emphasizing the importance of wise investment in building wealth. Then we'll also look at the power of compounding. Compounding, often referred to as the eighth wonder of the world by Albert Einstein, is a crucial law of money. It illustrates the snowball effect of reinvesting earnings leading to exponential growth over time. We'll unravel the magic of compounding and discuss how consistent long-term investments can amplify financial success. We'll also be looking at the financial education and empowerment. Knowledge is a powerful tool on the journey of financial prosperity. In this episode, we'll emphasize the importance of financial education and empowerment from understanding the basics of budgeting to navigating the complexities of investments, gaining financial literacy is an essential step towards making informed and strategic money-related decisions. We'll also be looking at the emotional aspects of money. Now, beyond the numbers and investments, the laws of money also touch upon the emotional aspects of financial well-being. We'll explore the impact of emotions on financial decisions, addressing topics such as money mindset, overcoming financial fears, and establishing a healthy relationship with wealth. 
As we delve into the laws of money on this episode of the Spanish Podcast Show, we invite you to open our minds to the transformative potential of understanding and applying these principles. Whether you're a seasoned investor or someone just beginning their financial journey, our goal is to provide insights that inspire and empower you on the path to financial success. Join us as we unravel the mysteries and unveil the profound laws that govern the world of money. We'll now be looking at the book which um, is called The 100 Absolute Unbreakable Laws of Business Success by Brian Tracy. And we will be going to chapter 5, which focuses on the laws of money. And this is on page 184 of the book, The 100 Absolutely Unbreakable Laws of Business Success by Brian Tracy. And I begin. The Laws of Money One of the major goals in life should be financial independence. You must aim to reach the point where you have enough money so that you never have to worry about money again. The good news is that financial independence is easier to achieve today than it has ever been before. We live in the richest country at the richest time in all of human history. We are surrounded by more wealth and affluence than ever before. Your job is to get your fair share. The law of cause and effect applies to money as much as to any other subject. This law says that financial success is an effect. As such, it proceeds from certain specific causes. When you identify these causes and implement them in your life and activities, you will get the same effects that hundreds of thousands and even millions of others have gotten. You can achieve whatever level of affluence you really want if you will just do what others have done before you to achieve the same results. And if you don't, you won't. It is as simple as that. There is perhaps no other area where universal laws are more in evidence than in acquiring and keeping of money. In America today, there are several million men and women who have started with nothing or deeply in debt and achieved financial independence. Their attitudes and behaviors have been studied in the great depths. We now know the keys to wealth creation better than ever before. And what we know is that your most cherished beliefs on the subject of money will be the primary determinant of how much you acquire and how much you keep over the course of your working lifetime. Your primary aim in life should be the achievement of your own happiness. However, happiness is something that exists naturally in the absence of fears, doubts, and negative emotions. One of the factors that most deprives you of happiness is worry about money. And by the way, when we talk about money worries, we're not referring to having too much. The problem is virtually always that people feel that they have too little money and their lives are suffering as a result. Perhaps the greatest single fear the one that causes you more distress and unhappiness than anything else is the fear of failure. In the area of money, you experience this as the fear of poverty and the fear of loss. Since one of the deepest needs of human nature is security, any threat to your security, real or imaginary, can cause you tremendous stress. You can only free yourself from 
to fears of poverty and failure by achieving a specific level of financial worth and then by building a fortress around it so that you are safe and impregnable. This achievement of financial independence is a key responsibility of adult life. No one else will do it for you. In psychology, money is what is called a deficiency need. This means that it only motivates you when you feel deficient in it. When you don't feel that you have enough. Above a certain level, when you feel that you have enough, it is no longer a motivator. But another way, when you have enough, you don't think about it very much. But when you have too little, you think about it all the time. The effect of money has on our emotional life depends on your attitude towards it. If you feel that you have too little, money can become an obsession for you. It can dominate your thinking, feelings and actions. Arguments over money are a major reason for marital breakdown. Problems with money are the primary reason for business collapse. The ruination of friendships and psychosomatic illnesses of all kinds. It's not uncommon for people to even kill themselves over money problems. The reality principle applies especially to matters of money. This principle says that you must deal with life as it is, not as you wish it were or could be. Most people live in a world of partial self-delusion or even fantasy with regard to money. They wish, hope and pray about their financial futures while at the same time, deep in their hearts, they know their dreams will never materialize. In Lewis Carroll's book, Alice in Wonderland, one of the characters says quite happily that he is quite capable of believing several impossible things before breakfast each day. In the same way, many people believe quite impossible things about money and then they wonder why they are having so many financial problems. One of the most common obstacles to achieving financial independence is a deep-seated belief that somehow money is wrong and that people who have a lot of it are inherently evil. This belief is not based on any factual foundation. It goes back to early childhood conditioning when the growing child is often told this because of other people's desire to rationalize away their own financial failures. When my wife and I got married, her entire family attended the wedding as did my employer, a man worth more than $500 million. All their lives, the members of my wife's family had been led to believe that poverty was a virtue and by extension financial success was somehow unclean or evil. They were astonished to find that my employer, the richest man that they had ever met or heard of in their lives, was devoutly religious, a solid family man, very low-keyed, polite, courteous and charming. It took them months and even years to readjust their thinking. They had been told by their church and their friends that anyone with that kind of money must be evil and nasty. Another great mental obstacle to financial success is that some people believe that they don't really deserve to be rich. They have been raised with a steady drumbeat of destructive criticism, as I was, that has led them to conclude at an unconscious level that they don't really deserve to be successful and happy. The worst effect of negative experiences in childhood 
which are all too common is that when people actually do succeed as a result of hard, hard work, they feel guilty. These guilt feelings then cause them to do things to get rid of the money to throw it away. They spend it or invest it foolishly. They lend it, lose it or give it away. They engage in self-sabotage in the form of overeating, excessive drinking, drug usage, marital infidelity and often dramatic personality changes. The fact is that money is good. It takes money to buy homes, cars, clothes, toys, food and most of the good things in life. Money has an energy of its own and is largely attracted to people who treat it well. Money tends to flow towards those people who can use it in the most productive ways to produce valuable goods and services and can invest it to create employment and opportunities that benefit others. At the same time, money flows away from those who use it poorly or who spend it in non-productive ways. Money is very much like a lover. It must be courted and coerced and flattered and treated with care and attention. It gravitates towards people who respect it and value it and are capable of doing worthwhile things with it. It flows through the fingers and flees from people who do not understand it or who not take proper care of it. Sometimes people say that they are not very good with money. But being good with money is a skill that anyone can learn through practice. Usually, saying that one is not very good with money is merely an excuse or a rationalization for the fact that the person is not very successful or disciplined with money. The person has not learned how to acquire it or hold on to it. The starting point of accumulating money is for you to believe that you have an unlimited capacity to obtain all the money that you will ever need. Look upon yourself as a financial success just waiting for a place to happen. Money is good. Money gives you choices and enables you to live your life the way you want to live it. Money opens doors for you that you would have been closed in its absence. But just like anything, an obsession can be hurtful. If a person becomes so preoccupied with money that he loses sight of the fact that money is merely a tool that is to be used to acquire happiness then money becomes a harmful thing. The Bible says, the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. It is the preoccupation with money to the exclusion of the really important things in life that is the problem, not the money itself. Money is essential to our lives and society. It is also neutral. It is neither good nor bad. It is only the way that it is acquired and the uses to which it is put that determines whether it is helpful or hurtful. And we look at the laws of abundance. We live in an abundant universe in which there is sufficient money for all who really want it and are willing to obey the laws of governing its acquisition. There is plenty of money available to you. There is no real shortage. You can have virtually all you really want and need. We live in a generous universe and we are surrounded on all sides by blessings and opportunities to acquire all we truly desire. Your attitude of either abundance or scarcity towards money will have a major impact on whether you become rich or not. The first corollary of the law of abundance says that people become wealthy 
because they decide to become wealthy. They become wealthy because they believe they have the ability to become wealthy. Because they believe they completely, they act accordingly. They consistently take the necessary actions that turn their beliefs into reality. And you can always tell what your beliefs really are by looking at your actions. There is no other way. The second corollary of this law says, People are poor because they have not yet decided to become rich. In the book The Instant Millionaire by Mark Fisher, the old millionaire asks the boy who has sought his advice about becoming a millionaire, why aren't you rich already? This is an important question to ask yourself. However you answer this question will reveal a lot about yourself. Your answers will expose your self-limiting beliefs, your doubts, your fears, your excuses, your rationalizations and your justifications. Why aren't you rich already? Write down all the reasons you can't think of. Go over your answers one by one with someone who knows you well and ask them for their opinion. You may be surprised to find that the reasons are mostly excuses that you have fallen in love with. Whatever your reasons or excuses, you can now get rid of them. The world is full of hundreds and thousands of people who have had far more difficulties to overcome than you could ever imagine and they've gone on to be successful anyway. So can you. How you can apply this law immediately. Imagine that every experience you have ever had with money contained a special lesson that was designed just for you to help you to ultimately become financially independent. What are the most important lessons you have learned so far? Analyze yourself honestly and determine your biggest block. Your major self-limiting belief that holds you back from becoming more successful financially. Resolve to act from now on as if this block no longer exists. The Law of Exchange Money is the medium through which people exchange their labor in the production of goods and services for the goods and services of others. Before there was money, there was butter. In butter, people exchange goods and services directly for goods and services without the medium of money. As civilization grew and butter became too clumsy, people found that they could exchange their goods and services into a medium like coins, which they could then exchange for the goods and services of others, thereby making the whole process more efficient. Today, we go to work and exchange our work for money, which we then use to purchase the results of the work of other people. The first corollary of the law of exchange says, money is a measure of the value that people place on goods and services. It is only what a person will pay that determines the value of something. Goods and services do not have a value separate and apart from what someone is willing to pay for them. All value is therefore subjective and personal. It is based on the thoughts, feelings, attitudes and opinions of prospective purchasers at the moment of the buying decision. The second corollary of this law says, your labor is viewed as a factor of production or a cost by others. We each have a tendency to look upon the sweat of our brow or our work or something special because it is so intensely personal. It comes from us and is an expression of what we are as a person. However, as far as others are concerned, our labor is just a cost. 
as intelligent consumers, as employers or customers, we want the very most for the very least, no matter whose labor is involved. For this reason, you cannot place an objective value on your own labor. It is only what other people are willing to pay for your labor in a competitive market that determines what you earn and what you are worth in financial terms. Third corollary of this law says, the amount of money you earn is the measure of the value that others place on your contribution. The way the market for labor works is simple. You will always be paid in direct proportion for three factors. The work you do, how well you do it, and the difficulty of replacing you. How much you are paid will be in direct proportion to the quantity and the quality of your contribution in comparison with the contributions of others combined with the value that other people place on your contribution. The fourth corollary of the law of exchange says, money is an effect not a cause. Your work or contribution to the value of a product or a service is the cause and the wage, salary or earnings that you receive is the effect. If you wish to increase the effect, you have to increase the cause. The fifth corollary of the law of exchange says, to increase the amount of money you're getting out, you must increase the value of the work that you're putting in. To earn more money, you must increase your knowledge or increase your skill or improve your work habits or work longer and harder hours or work more creatively or do something that enables you to get greater leverage and the results from your efforts. Sometimes you have to do all of these things together. The highest paid people in our society are those who are continually improving in one or more of these areas to add greater value to the work that they are doing. How you can apply this law immediately. Study your business carefully and determine exactly what it is that you do that contributes to the greatest value to the price of the products or services that your company sells. How could you increase the value of your personal contribution? Ask yourself each day, why am I in the payroll? Make a list of your answers and share this list with your boss and co-workers. Ask them to comment on it and tell you what it is you do that they feel makes the greatest contribution to the organization. The law of capital. Your most valuable asset in terms of cash flow is your physical and mental capital, your earning ability. You may not even be aware that unless you are wealthy already, your ability to work is the most valuable asset that you have. By utilizing your earning ability to its fullest, you can bring thousands of dollars each year into your life. By applying your earning ability to the production of valuable goods and services, you can generate sufficient money to pay for all the things that you want in life. The amount of money that you are paid today is a direct measure of the extent to which you have developed your earning ability so far. The first corollary of the law of capital says, your most precious resource is your time. Your time is really all you have to sell. How much time you put in and how much of yourself you put into that time largely determines your earning ability. Poor time management is one of the major reasons for poor productivity and other achievements in every industry in America. It is the number one problem for both managers and salespeople in every field. For example, study after study over the years, going back to 1928, shows that salespeople work only about 20% of the time 
the average salesperson spends approximately one and one half hours per day in face-to-face -face direct selling activities with prospects and customers. The rest of the time is spent in socializing, reading, sales literature, making telephone calls, traveling, and other largely unproductive uses of those precious hours and minutes during the course of the day. Managers are no better. In the recent study, 95% of managers admitted that fully 50% of their working days are spent doing things that have absolutely nothing to do with the reasons they are on the payroll. And much of the remaining time is spent in areas of low productivity, doing things of low value. The second corollary of the law of capital says, time and money can be either spent or invested. To a certain degree, your time and your money are interchangeable. If you spend them, they are gone forever. You cannot get them back. They become sunk costs in your life. On the other hand, you can invest them, in which case you get a return on them that can go on and on. If you invest your time or money in becoming more knowledgeable and better skilled, you can increase your value. By increasing your ability to get results for yourselves and others, you increase your earning ability, your personal cash flow, sometimes for your entire career. One of the smartest things that you can do is to invest 3% of your income every month back into yourself on personal and professional development, on becoming better at the most important things you do. In fact, if you just invested as much in your mind each year as you do in your car, that alone could make you rich. Invest one hour of your time reading in your field every day. Listen to audio programs in your car. Attend every course that can advance you in your career. Get personal and professional coaching to help you get the very best out of yourself. Build your intellectual capital, your personal value and your earning ability continually. This commitment to regular and continuous personal and professional development will pay off for you in greater measure than you can believe. It will save you months and years of hard work at lower levels of achievement and income. Your return on the investment of your time and money into yourself can be absolutely extraordinary. The head of training for Motorola recently estimated that their company is getting $30 back for every dollar they spend on training their people. They say that it is the highest payoff investment of time and money that the company can make. Other companies report similar results on their investment in training their executives and staff. For you, it is the same. There is nothing that will give you a bigger and better bang for your buck than reinvesting a part of your time and money back into your capability to earn even more. All wealthy and successful Americans have learned this sooner or later, and all poor and unhappy Americans are still trying to figure it out. The third corollary of the law of capital says, one of the best investments of your time and money is to increase your earning ability. The purpose of corporate strategic planning is to increase return on equity or ROE. This requires organizing and reorganizing corporate activities so that the company is earning a higher return on the capital invested in the organization. In your work life, your personal equity is your mental and emotional capital. Your job then is to earn the highest possible return on your human capital 
to increase your return on energy. Just as a piece of productive machinery represents capital, you are also a form of mental and physical capital that can produce large quantities of goods and services if you are developed to your highest and best use. This way of viewing yourself must become a key part of your attitude throughout your work life. How can you apply this law immediately? Make a list of your output responsibilities, the things you do that represent accomplishments, not activities. Examine the list and rank the tasks by priority on the basis of the value of the work to your company. Make a list of the things you do day in and day out. Take this list to your boss and ask him or her to rank your tasks in terms of how valuable he or she considers them to be. Then resolve to work on your most valuable tasks every minute of every day. The Law of Time Perspective The most successful people in any society are those who take the longest time period into consideration when making their day-to-day -day decisions. This insight comes from the pioneering work of upward financial mobility in America conducted by Dr. Edward Banfield of Harvard University in the late 1950s and the early 1960s. After studying many of the factors that were thought to contribute to individual financial success over the success of a person's lifetime, he concluded that there was one primary factor that took precedence over all the others. He called it time perspective. What Banfield found was that the higher a person rises in any society, the longer is the time perspective or time horizon of that person. People at the highest social and economic levels make decisions and sacrifices that may not pay off for many years, sometimes not even in their own lifetimes. They plant trees under which they will never sit. An obvious example of a long time perspective is a man or woman who spends 10 or 12 years studying and interning to become a doctor. This person takes an extraordinarily long time to lay down the foundation for a lifetime career. And partially because we know how long it takes to become a doctor, we hold doctors in the highest esteem of any professional group. This respect for doctors tends to be true in virtually every society. We appreciate and admire the sacrifices that they have made in order to be able to practice a profession that is so important to so many of us. We recognize their long-time perspective. People with long-time perspectives are willing to pay the price of short for a long, long time before they achieve it. They think about the consequences of their choices and decisions in terms of what they might mean in 5, 10, 15, and even 20 years from now. People at the lowest level of society have the shortest time perspective. They focus primarily on immediate gratification and often engage in behaviors that are virtually guaranteed to lead to negative consequences in the long term. At the very bottom of the social ladder, you find the hopeless alcoholic or drug addict. These people think in terms of the next drink or the next shot. Their time perspective is often, is often less than an hour. You begin to move up the ladder socially and financially from the day that you begin thinking about what you are doing in terms of the possible long-term consequences of your actions. As you begin thinking longer term and organizing your life and priorities with your future goals and ambitions in mind, the quality of your decisions improves 
and your life starts to become better almost immediately. The first corollary of the law of time perspective says delayed gratification is the key to financial success. Your ability to practice self-mastery, self-control and self-denial to sacrifice in the short term so you can enjoy greater rewards in the long term is the starting point of developing a long time perspective. This attitude is essential to financial achievement of any kind. The second corollary of this law says self-discipline is the most important personal quality for assuring long-term success. Self-discipline was defined by Albert Herbert many years ago as the ability to make yourself do what you should do when you should do it whether you feel like it or not. Herbert Gray, a businessman, spent 11 years searching for what he called the common denominator of success. He studied thousands of successful people and finally concluded, successful people are those who make a habit of doing things that unsuccessful people don't like to do. And what are these things that unsuccessful people don't like to do? Well, they turn out to be the same things that successful people don't like to do either, like getting up earlier, working harder, and staying later, but successful people do them anyway. The reason, successful people are more concerned with pleasing results, unsuccessful people are more concerned with pleasing methods, unsuccessful people prefer activities that are tension relieving, successful people pursue activities that are goal achieving. Your ability to pay the price of success in advance and to continue paying it until you achieve the goal you have set is a true mark of the winning human being. The third corollary of this law says, sacrifice in short term is the price you pay for security in the long term. The key word here is sacrifice. When you resist the temptation to do things that are fun and easy and instead discipline yourself to do the things that are hard and necessary, you develop in yourself the kind of character that virtually guarantees you a better life in the future. When you continually invest your time and money in improving yourself rather than frittering it away in idle socializing or watching television, you are putting yourself on the side of the angels. You are virtually guaranteeing your future. Parents who work hard and save their money so that their children will have an opportunity to get an excellent education are practicing long-time perspective. They are making decisions that can have an impact on their children for years into the future. They are putting their children onto the up escalator of life. How can you apply this law immediately? Practice long-time perspective in every area of your life, especially in your financial life, but also with your family and your health. Think of where you will ideally like to be in five years and begin today to take steps in that direction. Decide how much you want to have as an annual income when you retire and how much of an estate you will have to have to give you that kind of income. Make a plan to acquire the amount and begin working on it today. The Law of Saving Financial freedom comes to the person who saves 10% or more of his income throughout his lifetime. One of the smartest things that you can ever do for yourself is to develop the habit of saving part of your salary every single paycheck. Individuals, families and even societies are stable and prosperous to the degree to which they have high savings rates. 
Savings today are what guarantee the security and possibilities of tomorrow. The first corollary of the law of savings comes from the book The Richest Man in Babylon by George Carlson. It is to pay yourself first. Begin today to save 10% of your income off the top and never touch it. This is your fund for long-term financial accumulation and you'll never use it for any other reason except to assure your financial future. It is sad but true. But if you simply save for a rainy day, the one thing that you can be assured of is that it is going to start raining very soon. If you save with the intention of spending money as soon as you need it, you are going to need it sooner than you realize. If you want to buy a house or take a trip, set up another fund for that purpose. But your savings or investment account should be untouchable. The remarkable thing is that when you pay yourself first and force yourself to live on the other 90%, you will soon become accustomed to it. You are a creature of habit. When you regularly put away 10% of your income, you soon become comfortable living on the other 90%. Many people start by saving 10% of their income and then graduate to saving 15%, 20% and even more and their financial lives change dramatically as a result. So will yours. The second corollary of the law of savings says, take advantage of task deferred savings and investment plans. Because of high and even multiple task rates, money that is saved or invested without being taxed accumulates at the rate of 30% to 40%, faster than money that is subject to taxation. Self-made millionaires according to Dr. Thomas Stanley's book, The Millionaire Next Door, are almost obsessive about accumulating their funds in assets such as real estate, self-owned businesses, and equities that increase in value without triggering tax liabilities. Invest in company pensions and retirement plans, 401k plans, stock option programs, and whatever else has been approved by the IRS for long-term financial accumulation make every dollar count. How you can apply this law immediately. Begin today to put away 10% of your income. Set up a special account for this purpose and treat your contributions to this account with the same respect that you do your rent or mortgage payments each month. If you are in debt, 10% is too much for you. Start by saving 1% of your income and leave it on the other 99%. When you become comfortable living on 99% of your income, increase your savings rate to 2%. Over time, walk your rates up to 10%, 15%, and even 20% of your income. Become a lifelong student of money. Read the best books, take courses, and subscribe to the most helpful magazines. Know what you are doing so you can always make intelligent decisions when you invest your funds. The law of conservation is not how much you make, but how much you keep that determines your financial future. Many people make a lot of money in the course of their working lifetimes. Sometimes, during boom periods, people greatly exceed their expectations and make more money than ever thought possible. Unfortunately, they often develop the walk on water syndrome. They begin to believe that their success is because of their remarkable skills and abilities that they are doing so well in a particular field. 
in many cases is just because the economy or that particular field is booming. They assume that because they are making a lot of money, they have the ability to go on making a lot more indefinitely. They then spend everything they earn, confident that they will always be able to earn more. The true measure of how well you are really doing is how much you keep out of the amount you earn. Successful people are fastidious about putting away chunks of money regularly and paying down debt during prosperous times so that they have reserves set aside when the economy or business turns downward. How to apply this law immediately? Calculate your true net worth as of today. Make a list of all your assets and value them at the amount you could actually get for them if you had to turn them into cash quickly. Then add up all your bills, credit card balances and mortgages and subtract them from your assets to get your net dollar worth today. Divide the number of years you have been working into your net worth. The result is the true amount you have actually earned each year after the cost of living. Are you happy with it? If not, start today to do something about it. This now brings us to the end of today's episode of the Spin This Podcast. As you know, the Spin This Podcast is available on multiple streaming platforms such as YouTube, Zeno FM, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and much more. Remember to subscribe to the Spin This Podcast so that you can receive future episodes. Thank you listeners for joining this lengthy episode of the Spin This Podcast. Have a lovely day and goodbye.